The following sermon is from the Westminster Pulpit, extending the worship ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are a local congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format. share with you tonight in a little bit different way than ordinarily. I don't even necessarily call this a sermon, really more of a testimony. I wanted to just raise the subject of calling to the ministry. We speak about calling in different ways, and I think in modern times, perhaps we've been trying to be careful to acknowledge that God calls people in many different ways for many different purposes. He calls us to come to Christ and to be Christ's disciple. He calls to various vocations of service that aren't necessarily ordained ministry or necessarily what we would call full-time Christian work. And I think we've tried to be careful in, in more modern times to make sure that we acknowledge that God has many ways of calling our lives. I know when I was a child, it was more the idea of God called you, you were going to be a minister or a missionary. Well, I want to speak about that calling to the work of ministry tonight, and it's going to be a little bit anecdotal, and as I said, maybe somewhat more my testimony. Put it alongside Bob's. I'm in almost the same generation as Bob. I don't think he could be counted a generation ahead of me, but 16 or 17 years older than me, but uh, that's not a generation. We're the same generation, basically. But uh, I'd like to read most of the first chapter of Galatians, where Paul discusses his call and, and makes some comments on this. Galatians 1, first of all, I read uh, verses 1 through 4. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, I don't want to get into the what we call the Galatian problem of their departure from things here. So let me jump over to verse 11 and pick it up there. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone 
Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, or Peter, and remained with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that were in Christ. They only were hearing it said that he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. And then just this first verse of chapter 2. After 14 years... I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. And that, I'm not going to read any further there, but that was the occasion when he began to be recognized by the Jerusalem apostles. Finally, after 14 years of study, and most people don't realize Paul had that big gap from the time of his conversion until he really stepped forth into recognized ministry. Well, as we celebrate the career and the effectiveness of Dr. Rapp tonight, I had many thoughts in my mind about being in the generation myself that is uh, still active in ministry, but certainly not in the beginning, but more near the end of my own ministry, and it makes me reflective, and it makes me think about who will minister the word in the future. Who will be those who will pick up this task and go forward and do courageous things and lead and endure hardship and take up pastorates of churches? We certainly have many young people in our congregation who are gifted, and I find myself speaking to some of them all the time now. I have said recently to several young men of either high school or college age in our congregation in the last couple of years, I've said, have you considered the idea that God might call you to ministry? That isn't telling them that they must go to the ministry, and it isn't telling them that I know they should go to the ministry, but it's planting the seed of that idea in their mind, because I can remember how significant it was that older Christians would say that kind of thing to me. You know, it's, it's pretty flattering when you're a young man and someone says, do you think that God might use you in this way? And you remember that, you know, whether you know the right response to it at that time or not. The fact that someone asks you that is significant. I can remember one uh, pastor in particular who asked me that in high school. I've never forgotten that he just asked the question, Michael, do you think God might be leading you to be a pastor? And I fumbled and stammered. But uh, it, it had an effect. And I feel as I reach near the end of my own ministry in a few years that I want to challenge and plant that seed on other young people. I want to stress again that we're not saying that God's call only applies to those who are called to preach the gospel. That is absolutely wrong. We're really thankful for the Reformation in which the idea of God calling folks to common vocations of earth, to be scientists and teachers and business persons and all kinds of things, 
is a valid thing to think about. As I closed out the series on John uh, just a few weeks ago, I said, speaking on John 21st, that God calls all of us so that everything we are and everything we do and everything we have must be given in response to his summons to serve Christ. And I believe that very sincerely. But there are some who are called to full-time ministry of the word. I was interested to hear Bob describe his own calling. And the difference between Bob and myself is Bob came to Christ older than I did and was called to ministry rather soon after uh, being saved by Christ. I had heard him say before, living as he does at Calvary Homes, that he, he experienced his call to the ministry just a, a matter of feet away from the place where he lives today in, in uh, Calvary Homes there. It was different for me, and maybe it's good that you would reflect tonight that God does call people to the ministry in different ways. There's not one way only of it happening. I was brought to Christ uh, in a Christian home when I was about eight years old. I really think I had a knowledgeable uh, experience of conversion when I was about eight. And I would say probably didn't think anything much about ministry until maybe six years later, I might have been 14, 15 in my early high school years, that we would always have, our church was similar to this. We had missionaries there a lot. We had guest speakers. And I would listen to these folks and see what they were doing and be interested in them. And sometimes I would admit, think, when I was 13 or 14, well, maybe I would do that someday. But I would hear people talk about being called, and I would think, well, what is that? And, and how do you know that if God was calling you? And all that I normally had in my mind was something like Paul on the Damascus Road when he was Saul. And you know his basic story from the book of Acts, how he was riding along. In fact, he alludes to it here in Galatians, to being the enemy of, of the Christians, killing literally with a commission to go and kill Christians. He was a legal murderer on behalf of extreme Judaism because these Christians were a sect of Judaism that was unacceptable and had to be wiped out. And Paul had permission to literally go and kill them. You read how when Stephen was killed, he was standing by with the coats of those who took up the stones and actually killed Stephen. So I thought, well, if God calls you to the ministry, it must be something like that. You have to be knocked off a horse. I don't think you were knocked off a horse, Bob, but but you did experience a dramatic, apparently definite, very decisive sense of God calling you in that service here in Lancaster. I didn't, and I, I kept waiting and thinking, what kind of fireworks occur, or does the Lord write my name in the sky or something? Or what what is, am I going to feel? Just some strong feeling of being drawn or something. And I remember uh, I went to a Christian vocations uh, fair that our, a couple of church, several churches put together and had missionaries and folks from different uh, believers that were in different vocations and students were to come. We, you know, dozens of students came and got to talk with these different people. And there were missionaries there. And I remember asking a couple of them, how do you know if you're called to the ministry? And nobody really helped me because they had their individual stories that 
that didn't, you know, just didn't seem to, uh, you know, they would start telling me their story and I would think, well, uh, that just doesn't seem to give me the information I'm looking for. I, now I look back and I think, well, the very fact that I was that interested in what was a call, in a sense, was God's call. You know, God had me pursuing the subject, even though I, I, didn't, I hadn't been hit over the head, so to speak. I, I couldn't see that at that time because I was in the midst of it, but I can now. Well, I want to put experience of being called to the ministry up against Paul here. As we read these portions of Galatians, and this is certainly Paul's most direct way of speaking about his own calling, and I want to just quickly talk about the two stages by which we as Presbyterians these days have come to define a call to the ministry, because we talk about two things, and I believe they're both exemplified in this passage. Your internal call, the call of God himself by his spirit, and the external call. And let me just elaborate about those a little bit and how we can even see them here in Galatians. Uh, certainly, it was the internal call that I was looking for and saying, well, how would God do that? And yet I didn't even realize at the time that I already had some elements of that. I had a deep interest in the scriptures, even as a young teenager, reading them. I remember I used to take notes on sermons. I know many of you do that here. And uh, I, I can remember sitting there scribbling as fast as I could go to get uh, a minister's points down and, and follow. I, someone had told me, this is a good idea to do this, and you'll get more out of it, and so on. And I, I agreed. I did. And, you know, there probably weren't too many 14-year-olds taking notes on sermons. I don't say that to praise myself. And just the fact that there already was a stirring of the Spirit to say, pursue the Word, learn the Word. And uh, I had an interest in theology, and as far as a 14-year-old can get into that. The kinds of things that I would need to study later in years to come were interesting things to me. The Greek language, I had a brief exposure where somebody showed me a Greek New Testament. And of course, it's a totally, if you've never seen it, it's a totally different alphabet. Uh, you know, the phrase, the phrase that's Greek to me uh, was invented for good reason, because if you don't have any idea of the alphabet, it looks like nothing that you can even read. But I was kind of fascinated and thought I would really like to be able to read the New Testament in Greek. Now, came along to Hebrew at a later time. That was a whole different story. Uh, Hebrew is much more difficult than Greek. But in other words, I had, as an internal call, God was already working some of the abilities that were needed. I was able to speak in front of people, even as a younger boy. I remember getting, I, I was known as a quiet student in school, and yet our sixth grade class did a play, and uh, we were to try out within our class for the parts, and Long, I won't go into a long explanation, but there was a judge. It was, it was a play that involved a trial, and somebody had to be the judge. And uh, I tried out and read, and then those of us who had tried out went out of the room, and they, uh, our classmates voted for who should have what part. And I was astounded to get the part of the judge in this play. It was one of the first times when it, uh, someone seemed to react to the idea that maybe I could speak in a public way. Uh, God gave abilities. There's a story told by the famous Spurgeon in the late 19th century about 
he had a pastor's college. You may have heard that and uh, tried to train men, well, more or less a Bible college that Spurgeon started. And it was training men for the ministry. And uh, there was a young man apparently in the training college that just was absolutely impossible as far as his abilities to speak or communicate. And, uh, you know, he would get up and he just didn't have a good education. He didn't speak well at all. He was bashful and, you know, just stammered his way through things. And so someone sent this young man to Dr. Spurgeon to interview. I'm not sure what the thought was, whether he was supposed to graciously dismiss him or what, but uh, Spurgeon said to the young man, well, why are you here? Why did you come? It seems like you don't have basic abilities. And he said, well, I was saved in my little church out in the country, named a place way out in this rural area of England. And he said, my pastor there told me if I was really dedicated to the Lord, I would become a pastor. And I thought, well, I want to serve the Lord, and everybody really dedicated to the Lord has to be a pastor, so I have to be a pastor. And Spurgeon basically let the man down graciously and said, well, if God was calling you to be a pastor, he would give you some basic abilities that you needed. And young man, he has not. (laughs) And, And actually, the young man was relieved to be told, you know, You're not required to be a pastor just because you're dedicated to the Lord. You could serve him other ways. Well, that's one of the ways the calling comes. If it doesn't come by some strong, you know, inward uh, motivation, as I think Bob experienced, I did not. But, But there were these various sort of turnings and landmarks in my life that expressed that Uh, internal, what we call the internal call. And today we have a young man come before our presbytery if he has that internal desire. Maybe he's begun to do some teaching in his church or something. And uh, he expresses to the presbytery the idea that he's interested in this, that he believes God might use him. And we pick up the internal call and then the church it tries to find out whether we can put upon him the stamp of an external call. In other words, not just what you think is so, but what others recognize is the hand of God on you. Are the gifts needed there within you? It's not enough that you want to be in ministry, but hopefully we see that there is character, there are you know basic abilities, and we have time to observe and watch you doing various things. So we do what's called bringing a man under care, under the care of the presbytery, more or less in a mentoring relationship. And he begins to do some things as he's studying, and uh, we try to put him to the test. He goes through an internship. John Hayward has been in finishing up now his seminary internship with us and has shown us very ably uh, the gifts that God has put in him. I remember before I was ever under care of a presbytery, my first, I remember it now with with almost amazement because we had an assistant pastor who was very interested in trying to develop young men for ministry. And when I was 14, 14 and a half, my birthday's in June, so I was 14 and a half on a Christmas day night, not Christmas Eve. For some reason, our church was assigned to have the service at the City Mission in Buffalo, New York on Christmas Day night. And our assistant pastor said to me two days before, Michael, I want you to preach. (laughs) 
I thought, I was too dumb to say no, I guess. But I said, all right, Pastor, I'll do what I can. And I remember furiously scribbling some things and having all kinds of notes. And uh, I don't know how many of you have ever preached, at least in an old-time city mission, where many, many of those who would come would be men that were fairly well intoxicated. Uh, one man was laying on the front pew snoring while I was while I was speaking. And, of course, they had to come to the service in order to get the food for the evening meal. So... Uh, uh, there I was, my 14-and-a-half-year-old self, preaching my first ever sermon. It's a wonder that I stayed with it, I can tell you. I can't imagine what any of them got out of it. But, but yet I sensed, well, I, maybe this is something God wants me to do. And so, as you may know, in our Presbyterian system now, we do have this careful system of supervision, mentoring, training, putting men through a series of rather difficult exams and so on, before they would ever be ordained. The internal call has to be matched by a recognition that the church says, yes, it does appear that you have these gifts, but the final step is that someone, some church, is then going to call you to serve them. So that external call then is completed and we would ordain. Now, as I wrap up tonight, I'll tell you, just it might be humorous for you to hear this, but... uh, In my case, uh, Paul spoke about Clara. I think you called her a ministering angel. And well said, Clara. But uh, I had a ministering angel too. And uh, here's a strange thing. That I look back and you see God's hand and what he's doing. Uh, I was probably almost 18 when these things were going on rather furiously in my mind. What shall I do? I'm headed off to college. What shall I major in? Because I was telling people, I think I'll be a doctor. Well, should I register for pre-med? And I was saying I was going to do that. You didn't have to declare your major until the end of the freshman year. But uh, pre-med, you better get your decision made pretty soon. And I was trying to decide whether I should do that. Well, I too had a ministering angel. She's sitting behind Clara tonight. And uh, I was uh, really falling in love with this young lady at the age of 18. And I remember where we were. I remember the time, the circumstance. She does too. When we were really just getting better acquainted, I guess we did know each other. But I remember asking Carol the question, what do you think you want to do after college? She was a musician. I thoroughly expected her to say, Well, be a music teacher or something like that. And she astounded me. And I can remember to this day how just flabbergasted I was at her answer when she said, I think I want to be a minister's wife. She really said that. And I thought, no, I didn't mean who do you want to marry. I said, what do you want to be as in your career? And she explained how much she admired her pastor's wife and felt that as an organist, which she was a good one at that point, that she had skills to help in the ministry. And that was what she wanted. Now, this was the voice of God, ladies and gentlemen. Because here I was, all indecisive, almost having turned and and ready to say, register for pre-med. And I love this young lady. And I thought, she's going to marry a minister. Will it be me? (laughs) 
so you see the ways God speaks and God calls and God puts the crucial person in your path because she did become the minister's wife and she was the voice of the Lord. Now, I won't tell you I ran right out and, you know, registered for pre-seminary just because of that, but it was there. It was in my mind. It didn't leave my mind what Carol had said and how unusual that was. Well, the Church of Jesus Christ needs more Robert Rapps for its future. And we should be asking, all of us, who God will call. There aren't that many young men here in our presence tonight, but I can speak to those of you who are here. As you look about and see any young person, and not necessarily those who would only be pastors, we have young women in our midst who are thinking about the mission field. I would give you a a charge. Watch and observe among us those who seem to show a serious-mindedness about potential Christian service. And use your voice to encourage them. If many of you would say to a high schooler or college student among us, have you thought about the ministry? When you see them going on short-term missions, when you hear them perhaps up here giving a testimony or speaking in our youth service or something like that. Believe me, it is impressive to a young person if an adult sees that and perhaps challenges them, even in a gentle way. And say, I think I hear the Lord speaking through you in that testimony you gave. Have you thought about Christian service? And pray for them. Pray that God would raise up from our congregation more and more to go to his ministry, to be the one that 50 years from now, if the Lord tarries, would be recognized as Bob has been recognized tonight. Let us pray to that end and ask God to work. Let me lead in prayer. Father, thank you for the varied ways you call, for Bob and the way you've led him, for different ways in which you worked for me and for others. We recognize How amazing it is that you put the message of the gospel into the hands of frail human beings to bear it. We ask you to continue this work among us. Who would be that young person now in college or high school or middle school among us? Or some elementary student who you intend to shape and use in a great way. We pray, O God, for your calling to come forth and be known, that it might be for your honor and praise in the service of the kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.